bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's giving thousands of freelancers and small businesses the tools to save time billing and get paid faster. Try it free at freshbooks.com slash twip. Have you ever wanted to go on a photo adventure in and around the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico? Well, come join me and Federico Chiele for an unforgettable adventure. We're heading down February 11th through February 18th of 2017. You can check out all the details at twipwanderlust.com. That's twipwanderlust.com. This is TWIP episode 493, What's Next for GoPro? GoPro lays off 200 employees, Instagram adds live streaming and disappearing photos, and 500px wants to be the Uber for photographers. It's Wednesday, November 30th, 2016, and this is TWIP. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. We've got a full house tonight you guys if you're a long time twip lister you may remember back in the day we used to do used to have four people on myself and three smarter people we're bringing that back for this episode so we've got four people or three guests on this show and uh we're gonna rock it because we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about we've got yevgeny chabotarov from 500 picks what's up yevgeny what's going on Hey, everything's great. <laughs> Good. It's always great with you. Then yeah. we've also got uh, two newish faces on the show. We've got Mr. Christopher Berry. Hey, Chris. Gentlemen, good evening. How's it going? It's going good. It is going good. Welcome to the show. We'll let you, we'll let you introduce you. yourself officially to the uh, to the audience when we get deeper in the show. Some of them may have met you already through TWIP because you were already on an episode of TWIP Talks. But this is your first official twip appearance right yes sir thank you so right. much glad to be you're here welcome yeah welcome to the family and speaking of family steve brazel is here who uh we're going to reveal about his membership in the family a little bit later steve what's going on i've been inducted into the family yes assimilated <laughs> i like to say assimilated i'm a assimilated you, Come oh, on. yeah there we go i'm good and it's it's really nice to meet these guys because actually i've i've heard of christopher before and i've listened to uh evgeny numerous times on the show so it's nice to meet both you guys there you go good to meet All you right. we got we got a party and we got a lot of stuff to talk about so hey guys a quick note we've just launched the newest addition to the twip network it's a brand new show called behind the shot it's hosted by veteran radio guy steve brazel in this unique show steve sits down with one photographer and one shot in each episode and he gets into the mind of the photographer and what's behind the shot. You can check it out at thisweekinphoto.com. So story number one. Story number one is about GoPro. So let me set this up. So we, <laughs> we've we talked about GoPro on the show several times over the past year. So was, geez, what was it in the beginning? So we talked about them struggling because, you know, there was kind of the saturation of the action cam space. And, you know, they're trying to differentiate themselves. And then... There was, what was it, they uh, announced that they were going to stop selling the Hero 5 on Amazon for various reasons, and their their stock took a hit because of that. And then on one of the more recent episodes of TWIP, we talked about the unfortunate timing of the Karma, their drone launch, right on the, I guess it was right before the launch of DJI's wildly popular Mavic drone. So they took a hit there as well. So it's been like... 
You know, it's like it's like they were already if if this was a prize fight, a boxing fight, Oof. they were already bleeding and on the mat, and Oof. somebody's like stomping them on the chest now. You know, yeah. so. And, and- you you saw it coming, is what you're saying? Yeah, we saw. Well, we saw we saw the signposts of this stuff coming. So the topic of this story that comes to us from Petapixel is they are cutting costs, which you know we like you say, uh, Steve. We saw it coming. So they're eliminating 200 full time positions, which is roughly 15 percent of their workforce. So depending on how you look at this, I'm glad you've you're on the show because you're you know you're in that space, right? So. Depending on how you look at this, this is the the hot air balloon throwing sandbags off the side so that it can stay afloat, mm. or it is rearranging the deck chairs on the deck of the Titanic. So I want to know which myself and shareholders, I'm sure, want to know which one it is. So Yevgeny, let's start with you, man, since you're you're an entrepreneur here. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just looked up the GoPro stock. <laughs> uh oh. And it went up uh, 1.5 percent uh, mm-hmm. today, where the rest of the stocks were down. So I think the you know at least the Wall Street thinks it's positive move. We always uh, see that though. I mean that that. You know, we always see that whenever a company and companies always lay off around the holidays this quarter. So whenever they dump baggage and i've been in that baggage dumpage before <laughs> so whenever whenever they dump baggage the stock sees a temporary rise and then it kind of settles back down and then whatever's going to happen happens right but in terms of gopros i think you know we, we covered it before and i think the, the problem is still the same so i own two gopro cameras uh three and four they are great there is no reason to upgrade for a person like me i use it once a year and i have the footage which I never edit, which I'll get to in a second. And the thing is, my friends would, uh, would I would loan them my GoPros, and they would use it for their two-week vacation, and that's it. So basically, I could, you know, just give my GoPro to my friends, and it would cover about 20 or 30 friends over the yep. course of a year, over the course of vacations. So yep. you need one GoPro per a whole community of people <laughs> You know, for casual time users. Share. I, I, totally. Time share. Yeah, yeah totally. you don't need it professionally. Uh, but the, the essence comes when you come back with the footage, and I have tons of, you know, tons of gigs of video footage, and I don't want to look through that. Mm. I want something that will edit that for me, the best highlights, and just, like, throw it somehow in a simple way, like, you know, like Instagram video or Snapchat video. Something that is more relatable, something that is faster, something that Uh-oh. is shareable. Oh, there you go. Okay. You, froze, you froze for a second there, Yevgeny. Oh, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, you're back. Uh, and basically, without the automatic uh, editing features, it becomes a hassle to edit the video, mm-hmm. to, to edit the you know, hours and hours of footage. So, and they knew that problem when they were IPOing. I was looking at their prospect uh, for investors, um, and they were saying that we know that this is a problem, and that was what 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. And we we want to fix this, and that's been four years, and they haven't made any meaningful uh, path toward fixing that problem. I wonder what the fix for that is. I mean, is it to deploy some other service? So that hey, we know you're you don't want to you shoot all this great footage and you don't want to edit it. So send us your your memory cards, kind of like wedding photographers do. You know, send us your wed- send us your cards and we'll we'll do a quick edit on all the footage on there for you. I think it has like to be that. machine learning and some kind of like smart thinking. So mm-hmm. I remember there was goggles for um, snowboarders and they would record ten seconds before they hear before they sense the jump 
like the oh. uh, so they would record your actual jump and your landing and that's it and they will just like have instead of the whole footage of you going down the mountain they would have little chops of you falling of you jumping of you hitting something you know all the fun parts yeah. and, and then you'll yeah. have like five six short videos that have something meaningful for you in them and ju in, instead of just like you know uh, sliding down or just going slowly and things like this so then so then following that logic GoPro exacerbated the problem of having too much footage and not enough time to edit it by introducing yet another capture device, the Karma, which turned out to not really be a capture device because, you know, they had the whole stand in the air issue. But if, <laughs> the, if minor, did, the minor staying in the yeah, air, the, minor, yes. the flying know. camera part, is, Come on. You know, gravity, you know, it's, whatever. So seems it's a minor to, seems to be the key feature of the drone. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you got to keep in mind with GoPro. He's right. One per neighborhood probably would be yeah. fine. But I mean, yeah. there, there is a market for GoPro, which there, there's a demographic, my son being one of them that, mm -hmm. that uses his GoPro for almost everything. The problem is really users are users don't know what they want to film. And so, yeah, they tend to film too much. You know, right. it's it's the old I'm filming 10 minutes of stuff when I really need to um, GoPro has to figure out a way to manage user interface so that the users don't over record. And that's a difficult one. But has that, Steve, I'm glad you brought that up. But I'm, I'm wondering, has that window past right yeah, because it, we we have when gopro gopro used to be like the hottest selling camera around everybody wanted a gopro gopro this and then it it sprouted up this whole ecosystem of all the mounts and everything was compatible still to this day things are have to be gopro well, compatible is kind of a standard so then the question becomes you know is it like we're, like you was saying have they saturated that space and and b the competition in that space is different than it was when they launched. So we've got Sony, we've got Panasonic, we've got right. Nikon. And yeah, everybody is in that space making arguably, in some cases, better action cameras than the original GoPro. Well, so, and, and what you just hit on was really the, the old record company analogy of how do you come out with your sophomore hit, right? Mm -hmm. They right. came out with a product that when it hit the market was innovative and people wanted it and they could take it underwater and they could do cliff diving with it and whatever it was. It was so good at what it did and what people used it for that you set yourself up for where do you innovate from there. So the GoPro series as it's moved through, you know, through Hero 5 and whatever um, has really been uh, evolutionary, not revolutionary, mm -hmm. which is why Evgeny doesn't need to upgrade his. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. new features or yeah, it, you know, now you don't need a waterproof case that's external. But let's be honest, the waterproof case worked, right? Yeah, so right. they have... The answer to your question is is yes. I think that that the ship has sailed. There was no built-in um, obsolescence as one of it, and then then they made the horrible mistake of creating a product that was really good <laughs> that didn't that didn't have built-in obsolescence. So, Chris, what about you, man? Chime in on this. What do you like? GoPro overall, it's a, I, I I would see them as a great company, and they kind of established an entire category in photography and exposed a lot of people that wouldn't be recording their action sports to doing really cool video of it. But now how do they get out of this hole that they're in or is there a way out of it? You know, I, I don't know about that answer, but I do think that 
when I when I compare the competition, which is easy to do because I have a lot of their products, I, I, DJI, you know, everyone's got a 12 megapixel sensor in their action cam, you know, in mm-hmm. their Nikon and their, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I think what, you know, to compare DJI to, to GoPro, especially when it comes to the Karma, is the software is next to bulletproof with DJI, you know, especially when you draw the comparison. Sure, there have been, you know, Phantom 1s and Phantom 2s and they're, you know, they're growing pains. Um, but with GoPro, I didn't see like, and I've flown the solo with the, um, the hero Four silver. Um, and you know, it, it was cool. You know, it, it got me a picture. Um, but I, I wasn't really impressed with the karma's offering as far as what else it did besides fly and help me capture a picture. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything enticing about the interface. There wasn't anything enticing about, you know, so for example, from my DJI app, you know, I can cut a video, I can put a filter, I can, I have, you know, royalty-free music that I can put on there, I can share to various social media platforms, all from the app. I have everything yeah. cached. And I think I think GoPro tried to do that in offering, like, this cloud service. But in, in all honesty, you know, the Karma just didn't, it was, it was big, bulky, it looked front-heavy, it was loud. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it, a version one, right? It's a, it's, it, it was, it was a version a zero. one in a, in a, in a, a world zero. that's filled with version sixes. <laughs> yeah. And people have been using that, that same GoPro sensor and getting 4k 30 frames and super wide for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't, you know, me looking at a flying camera specifically to, to you. Cause that's the reason why I bought my hero four. When I snowboarded, I had a hero two, I think, but you know, with my family and getting away on my own, I just didn't, I didn't use the action cam. Like Evgeny said, I didn't use it very often. Um, But yeah, I mean, GoPro just kind of, kind of, Faded away in my eyes. But what, is, but what do they do then? So they, if, they miss the boat, is what if, they did. If there are GoPro people listening to this, which I'm, I'm reasonably sure there are, what from this panel's, you know, this is a, a great panel for this because there's varying perspectives on the whole space. What's the right move right now? <clears throat> Was the right move to cut those 200 full time employees? Right, and that's assuming those two hundred people weren't doing anything substantive, right? <laughs> so, right, right, right. Well, they cut they, their entertainment division too. Oh, geez. Um, But, you know, when when you look at it from a business point of view, you've got a company that lost one hundred and four million in the third quarter and the stock did dive. The stock went down 20 percent until this notice. And when they released this press release, which they actually buried this news in a press release about, you know, strong holiday opportunities. Um, But but when they released this thing, um, the stock went up four percent. So, yeah, like you said, that's normal. It's going to do that. But but I would argue that for a company that sees that they're having trouble to react, in my opinion, from the karma falling out of the sky scenario. From the karma fallout? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, from the karma fallout. They reacted really quick, knowing that that was going to be a problem. This is going to cost them millions of dollars. The the press release said it's going to cost them $33 million to, to do these cuts. But they reacted quick. So I think that who's ever, this is the right thing that they're doing, who's yeah. ever in charge. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. But I wonder if this is, so from a, let's, from a, this is what shareholders want us to do perspective. It seems like this is by the numbers, it's the right thing to do. But having seen these patterns in the chaos, having lived in Silicon Valley for so long, it's, I know where this path leads. And it leads to either an email going out saying, hey, you know, 
sorry, not sorry, we're out, or... We're selling. Uh-huh. Or we're selling, yeah. We're proud to be a part of the Microsoft family, or, you know, or the Apple mm-hmm. family, or something like that, or the 500px family, you know, so... Eugenie, would would they be an acquisition target? You think? Do you think? I mean, not not for five hundred px, but it would would GoPro be a juicy target for somebody like Microsoft or, you know, in oh, that that's Google? Very, that's yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I think like it, it's hard to know. I think it really depends on what kind of IP they have, mm-hmm. because I'm thinking of a GoPro as as a feature. You know, it's an action cam that does things, and then there is. Chinese competitors like Xiaomi coming out with their e-camera that is one-fifth of a price that does, you know, slightly worse, but it's like, you know, one-fifth of the price. And it's a no-brainer that it's going to sell more and people will say, oh, that's good enough for me. So yeah, maybe maybe the IP, maybe it's not IP because let's face it, it's a it's a it's a weather sealed camera that's ruggedized. Right. So you can't really. You know, I don't see how you could patent a lot of that stuff no, except no, for that. Yeah, which seems, you know, which but maybe it's the, it's the name, it's the GoPro brand that's the valuable piece of it. Kind of like Yahoo. Well, well I was thinking not that like, not, <laughs> not Yahoo, yeah. Yeah, definitely not yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? <laughs> great example. Great example. <laughs> you know, like, you sometimes know, like a MySpace, brand can be like a MySpace, like a great brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just because everybody knows it doesn't make it a great brand. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm rooting for GoPro. I want them to, like, for any company like this, especially one that opened up photography and video to so many people, right. I want to see them do, I want to see them survive. But in all seriousness, I'm worried that it, there is there is no path to success out of the mess because they created a fertile ground for competition and then the vultures and it's kind of like a koi right. pond and you throw a piece of bread in there and there all those competitors are in there and they're trying to get out of it and they get one lifeline with that karma and for one brief shining moment yeah like chris right there's yeah. that brief shining yeah. moment like this is the greatest thing like, in the world and what i can take the camera here. off too Look, well, and, so and there's, there's a good question <laughs> If the karma had stayed afloat, would that have changed or turned GoPro around? And and I think it could have had they done it right. I think they needed mm. this to be right and be perfect. But even if that thing had stayed in the air, once Mavic came out, yeah. it still failed. They had yeah. to do it right. And I'm concerned about a company that that was late to the drone game, did it to save their butt. And and literally fell. fell someone the someone was saying that the whole the whole idea behind the karma. We, we someone was telling me about the episode that we recorded where we kept comparing it to the Mavic and you know that they got DJI'd and all that. And this person was telling me that we missed the point. And they were saying that the point of the karma was not to compete in the same ground as the Mavic. It was to give people like Evgeny who already had these cameras and were already in the GoPro ecosystem a way to put their camera in the air without having to do anything else. But I think that that was a romantic vision from the marketing department because right. if you put out a foldable drone, you can't not compare it to another foldable drone. Yeah, I mean, right. whether you, you like know? it or not, they're competing against the Mavic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm not I'm not hearing any solutions here to yeah I, it, from from my perspective look you know I I have a, a Phantom I, I had an Inspire um, I think they were competing with way more than just the Mavic um, you know they they had to nail quite a bit you know because DJI has a suite of products 
mm-hmm. that are for mobile phones. They have their X3 on a handle, their their Osmo. Now they have the the, you know, the thirty times zoom that they put on their other platforms. They have the multi zoom lens on the Osmo. So they kind of had to nail it. And they had to do it at a better price, and they had to beat them to the market. Mm-hmm. And I really think they just fell flat. Yeah, yeah. DJI nailed it. I had looked around the other day, Chris, and I realized I have I own at least three DJI products yep. right now. I own a, I own an Osmo, I own a Mavic, and that Phantom Three. Yep. Right. Which, by the way, I'm trying to sell. But yeah. I own- <laughs> 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 hey Steve <laughs> I need one I, I know Let's talk. the problem is match. the problem is I've now played with the Mavic oh damn it Ooh, and I'm sorry blood. when you when you watch that thing go when you work with that Mavic there is just no going back no yeah the price the price of my Phantom 3 professional I think dropped 20 maybe 75% after the Mavic came out so I yeah. think it's 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 going to become an artifact on my shelf. <laughs> it's, it's just an easy That's thing. Awesome, that Mavic yeah. is awesome. So I don't know. So we'll we'll put a link to all this stuff in the notes for uh, for folks. Where's but my Christmas mouse? is There's... coming. If you need to find a place to put that, you know, uh, I have <laughs> several more deserving people on my list than you. You Mr. need a really big stocking. <laughs> yeah, I know. It I'll fold. fly it down there. I'll fly it down there. All right, guys, uh, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Instagram and some interesting moves that those folks are making. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects. You're prepping for a photo shoot later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelance photographer. Challenging? Yes, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. With freelancers and small business owners in mind, FreshBooks has announced the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for our needs, photographers. FreshBooks has created a super-intuitive Tool that makes it easy to create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can easily customize your invoice with your logo, color scheme, or any image that reflects your brand. You'll be able to see what invoices have been sent, viewed, and paid, as well as overdue and outstanding invoice totals. You can even chat with your client regarding an invoice once they receive it. The modern and simplified dashboard works as the hub of your business, answering the most important question how is my business doing? You'll have quick access to outstanding balances, spending, total profit, and accounting reports like tax summary and profit and loss. Tracking expenses is as easy as taking a photo of your receipt and using the FreshBooks iOS app. You can track expenses by vendor and by category. And time tracking makes it easier to bill for time by client and by specific projects. You can easily start your timer and track your time to the minute. And when it comes time to create an invoice, you'll know what you did and when you did it. So get ready for the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the TWIP audience. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Start your 30-day free trial today. And we thank FreshBooks for supporting this episode of This Week in Photo. All right. So this next story, story number two, is about Instagram. So you guys are, Instagram is doing a couple things. So 
on the live video side of the world. That's a big thing. Everyone's streaming live and showing what they're doing live online. It's amazing. I think it's I think it's the next big thing, right? And now Instagram has just turned that on. Instagram and Facebook, right? Is that right? Instagram, Facebook owns owns Periscope. Is that right? Am I getting that right? So they own didn't they own Periscope? No, Twitter owns Periscope. Twitter owns Correct. Periscope. God, it's so it's like incestual. It's incestuous, <laughs> yeah, it's incestuous. <laughs> it is incestuous. Thank you. So anyway, so what they did, Instagram launched live video. So now you can hit a button on your phone and stream live to your to your Twitter or to your Instagram account, which is awesome. Um, and they also turned on a obvious feature that is taking aim at Snapchat, where you can have disappearing private photo sharing. So. That's what put Snapchat on the map, Wubs. You can take these pictures that were kind of ephemeral that would vanish after a certain amount of time, which then spurred people to put all kinds of, let's say, uh, interesting content up there because they thought (laughs) they were doing it behind closed doors. So now Instagram is letting you do that as well. So two cannon shots out of Instagram Chris Barry, what do you think, man? Is this you know Instagram's already popular? Is it is this Instagram junkie? I love Instagram. That's you know, where a lot of my, my images live. Um, for me, I like to keep it simple. Um, a friend of mine sent me a picture of his new project motorcycle. And then I was like, Oh dude, that's really cool. And I hit a button and swiped the wrong way. And then it was gone. And I really wanted to see his photo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I was caught off guard because I, I think I have it on iOS. I have it set to like automatically, um, you know, update my apps. So I don't recall it telling me, oh, you have a new feature. Did you know things could disappear? I didn't know. But, um, you know, for me, you know, the live feed is really <laughs> cool. I um, caught one of Trey Ratcliffe's um, live feeds. Uh, yeah, because it ago. alerts you. It lets you know that people that you are following are yeah. about to broadcast. Yeah, it popped really up and I was like, oh, cool. Um, so I think that's a cool feature. I think it's like an instant way to engage with their audience. You know, whether you're monetizing Instagram or whether you're just sharing something cool. I think it's an obvious perk to having a large following, especially for, you know, people who are, you know, you know, sponsoring, maybe sponsoring. If, I think it's going to be huge. The disappearing mm-hmm. photos, um, not not a big thing for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, Instagram is just incredible. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I Don't mention that monetization thing because, you know, the next whatever. Yeah, I hate to say it, but the next political cycle that we have is going to be all about streaming, right? People are going to be streaming sure. everything, much like tweeting it was the uh, was the big thing in this last cycle, Instagram streaming and these kind of things. Evgeny, what about you, man? What do, what do you think? Live video and, uh, and, and is 500 picks going to get live video anytime well, soon? Well, there's two points. Uh, first, I have Instagram friends who use messaging exclusively on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it was a shock to me. They don't use Facebook, then you don't use. That's how they communicate else. back and forth. Exactly. This is basically okay. your chat. And for me, that was like a big surprise. And I started to realize that more and more people use that. And for Instagram, that's a very smart way to keep you know keep people in the app. Um, and the the other thing is obviously uh, Facebook tried over the years to build the uh, Snapchat competitor since mm-hmm. they wanted to buy it. And like after that, I spent a lot of uh, <laughs> s- building like a slingshot app and like some other apps. And I think what they realized is that the Facebook audience is not the same as Snapchat audience, but the right. Instagram audience is about the same as Snapchat. So people 
that post stories on Instagram are the are the same ones that will abandon Snapchat, you know, and will stop using Snapchat because you get the same thing on Instagram with your existing following or like easier way to monetize and mm-hmm. uh, you know do all kinds of promotions, which is. I think a huge insight that they gained instead of building that on Facebook platform, but build it for uh, Instagram crowd. Yeah. So yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's it's demographics. It's all about demographics. And, you know, and people were saying, people have been saying this for years, that we see these cycles of social media networks coming and going, Instagram, Friendster, yada, 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 and that Facebook is going to die when all the old people get on there. <laughs> and the party has moved across town to Instagram now, you know, and but, then, but that, then something else. Yeah, it's if you true, ask right? people who are under 25, they would say that they are not on Facebook. They are on yeah. Instagram, they are on Snapchat, they are on, you know, whatever else, uh, yeah. other secret networks. Exactly. Uh, that, but that, but that basically, the they're off the Facebook. Yeah. Same, yeah. same things that there's very few people left on MySpace and uh, ICQ or MSN Messenger for that matter. Oh, they, wow. <laughs> ICQ. Wow. You're dating yourself, man. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. Steve, what, what do you think about this, man? Instagram, live streaming, live video, stealing Snapchat features. It was the logical move for Facebook to do. I mean, yeah. they've already got live streaming on Facebook. But one thing nobody's mentioned is the fact that this is live only. Right. This does not record. You can't go back and watch That's it later. Right. There's no and, archiving. And yeah. to me... If you're going for, if you're trying to reinforce the Snapchat idea of it disappears, okay, that's fine. But when you read the press releases on it, they're actually, you know, kind of positing it as though it's for businesses. You know, promote your brand, broadcast live. And I don't know why you would do that as a business. I mean, if you're a business at the radio station, for example, our morning show uses Facebook Live all the time to do, you know, when they're doing something strange in the studio, they'll Facebook Live it. But then fans of the station can go back and watch it later. If you're a brand and you really care, you want that to live. Yeah. So yeah. to me, Instagram, this is not going to work for most businesses, although some people like a Trey Ratcliffe will use it because it's a different market they're going for. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, <clears throat> they've got the infrastructure, obviously. Facebook does it. I don't know why they're not recording it at least for 24 hours. Like, isn't that what I think Periscope used to do, 24 hours? Mm-hmm. Um, without that ability to replay it i think it's going to be hampered a little bit it might be <clears throat> i i hear you and i agree with you maybe 80 percent. that last 20 percent okay. is I there's, hear this. there's going to be a contingent of people that don't want it to be archived like no, for example exactly. a concert exactly. right if you don't want that to be recorded and it's a it's you want to replicate the live experience only extend it out beyond that auditorium then there you go you can you can jump on instagram you're broadcasting. Yeah, you, picked a good exa- you picked a good example, but I think in general it will be more consumers that want that that yeah. are Snapchat minded. I agree. Yep. Um, the Snapchat thing, I've wondered when they were going to do that. I mean, it's Instagram, right? I mean, it's a photo based site. Yep. Why they didn't do that before, I don't understand. It's nothing I'm going to use. I do like the stories feature. Mm-hmm. I, I use the stories feature, but the private photos. You know, one interesting thing about the private photos is you can share it with multiple people. You can see responses to it. That's mm-hmm. going to be kind of cool, I think. But I, I don't, I don't know that I'll use it. But the live one for me, from a business or marketing point of view, I won't use it if it won't record. So I'm going to start with you on this one, Steve. So you people can't be everywhere, 
right? Oh, so yes, there's they can. there's streaming on YouTube. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> Not with this stuff. There's streaming on YouTube. There's streaming on Facebook. Now we have streaming on Instagram. Periscope <laughs> still exists. Periscope <clears throat> is still there. There's all these services. Like if you had to pick a horse. Which one? Should we, I mean, I know you were going to say it depends on who you are, but generally speaking, what's the right horse to pick for live streaming? Yeah. Um, well, I would say Facebook, but that also encompasses the umbrella of Instagram. True. But for True. me, I would say Facebook. I mean, f- and, and actually, I'm going to back that up. I would say Facebook for the users that are on Facebook. But as we just mentioned, that is a different demographic. I have mm-hmm. a son in, the, in his 20s. And yeah, he's rarely on Facebook, but he's on Instagram and he's on Snapchat. So for the demographic that Facebook has, I think they will end up ruling because they have the user base. I, I mean, their user base right. is insane. Huge. Yeah, um, it is. But I Instagram. Too big to fail right now. I wonder. I wonder, you know, because we, we talk about, like we were just saying before, you know, the whole MySpace and Friendster and all that stuff. Has Facebook gotten enough momentum that they could just start spinning off these things, you know, and because they are now the de facto internet for many people, they could just start doing little side projects and planting seeds that may become big and they're never going to go away. I don't know. Evgeny, what do you, what do you think? No, I agree uh, with you that they will have more side projects going on. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, genuinely, I see Instagram live video and, you know, there's been some contention that whether it's going to work for business or not, it's more of a performance. This is like happening here and now. And basically, if you go to theater or some kind of other performance, you pay for these two hours of unique experience that's never going to be repeated again. So this is similar for Instagram. And that was similar for Snapchat where the artists were paid tens of thousands of dollars for a snap. And you're like, mm-hmm. how come a snap can be worth like 10 grand? And you're like, well, if you, sna- <laughs> if you snap it to 10 million people, that is what it's worth. Do, do the math. I think you hit right. it right on the head. Right. The, the word performance kind of puts it, it that, locks yeah, it in. That makes sense. Yeah, because it's a performance. Everything doesn't need to be time shifted. Sometimes it's better that, you know, because then like from a brand perspective, you could say, Limited time only. You could play up the whole scarcity thing. Hey, scarcity, you got to be here right sells, here right now yeah. to hear what we have to say, or else you're going to miss it. Kinda well, like, think of, think about the side marketing things. Like he said, snaps at, for ten thousand dollars. You brought up the concert scenario. Uh, you know, I can imagine a scenario where they hire you know X star to do a live stream on Instagram, and he happens to be wearing a you know Nike shirt or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, product placement. You know, product yeah. placement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see potential. I just don't know that that's the user base that that's there that's going to use it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see because the ultimately the industry and the the multiple demographics at large make the decision on what these companies do. So in the end, live streaming on Instagram is a tool, and right. some people will find it. Oh, you know, some brands may start using it. People that were streaming on Facebook may move over there. Then. In a year from now, we'll see where it all nets out. It may be gone. You know, we'll see where it all nets out. But it's cool that this stuff is happening. I love that, that companies like Instagram are still innovating and still trying to push. Well, I don't know if I would call this innovation, but they're still yeah. pushing out. <laughs> they're still pushing out new features, even perceived, if those features were incubated. <laughs> yeah, the features were incubated with other companies. Let's say. 
<laughs> so, well, cool. All right, guys, let's jump to story number three. Story number three is about a company called 500px, 500px, if you don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, so the company announced a business arm, 500px for business. So let me read this thing here. Evgeny, I know, tell me if I'm getting this wrong. So it says, uh, today they announced, this is from Business Wire, today 500px announced the availability of 500px for business, a suite of industry-leading photography on-demand services. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I read through this a couple times, and what I'm getting out of it, Evgeny, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, and I thought this was brilliant, so I thought you look at stock photography where someone buys either a membership or a la carte or whatever for stock photography and they can go in and search through and find almost the perfect image for what they want to use and they license it, they download it, it's all good, you haven't had to hire a photographer or anything. But what if you want to flip that on its head and 500px has millions of photographers that are submitting high quality photography into the service what if you flip it on its head and say you now you can submit an rfp customer and all these photographers will shoot tell me i'm not sure if they that's this is the part where i got confused do they shoot for spec and then they get awarded the money or do you say yes you photographer you are going to get this gig and you match them so kind of like a you know matchmaking service so did i get it right uh, you got it right, and I think you got confused because it's both. Uh, oh, and, okay. And so there is uh, like a couple of services, and I think it depends on what kind of client uh, the company is dealing with. And in the first case scenario, uh, you basically say, oh, we need photos of, let's say, beautiful uh, beaches around the world. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're a travel company. We need that. And you select the, you know, you basically put it out there, and you get photographers submitting the work, and then you choose the winners, and you basically license the photos and give some some sort of prize. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like the easy, you know, easier so- solution for it's number like on one. Spec. It's like a contest yeah. almost. Yeah. And the second mm-hmm. one is something where you need something more unique, and you say, let's say, we need to shoot uh, cities in Vietnam. So you don't need to ping any other photographers. Maybe you need something that is uh, within this week or next week. So you can only message uh, with push notifications or like through the app to photographers in Vietnam. Uh, and it doesn't matter where you live there or you're just visiting them and say that we have uh, an assignment for you. And, you know, submit your, let's say, simple portfolio if we need to have some quality stuff. And then we give you actually a spec to shoot. And that is nice. obviously a higher priced uh, gig. So I think there's, you know, different different values applied to those. So if you have to shoot for a specific company, you obviously want to get paid more. If you want to shoot something generic that you can resell uh, as a stock for other companies, then obviously it's going to be uh, a lesser price. And, so in the, yeah. in this scenario where where the company company A puts out you know an RFP or a spec for a, a gig or for some images that they need shot in Vietnam. Is it is it kind of like the uh, like the model mayhem scenario where 500px for business is connecting the photographer with the client and then kind of like matchmaking and then you guys go off and figure out how you're going to get paid and all that or do you guys act more of an escrow, as an escrow company where you know you're handling the payment to the photographer from the client yeah I think that's where the value is actually getting created because we can uh, uh, filter photographers by how proactive they are 
uh, how you know good quality work they produce, how responsive they are. Because if somebody produces brilliant work but doesn't respond for two weeks and disappears, that's probably yeah. not a good uh, not a good supplier of photography. So it's kind of like you have to have multiple. Uh, parameters that you work with and I think the cases that you mentioned it's more like uh, uh, a brand company might have a need for a car like automotive photographer in France and we will search for that photographer we know which photographers we have from France we know which photographers shoot cars Uh, we know which photos are great because we know we have the pulse and the rating mm-hmm. for the photos, and we can supply a short list and actually reach out to photographer and say, hey, we have a gig for you. Uh, and mm-hmm. depending on kind of like exclusivity and hardness and complexity of the job, you might be talking about, you know, proper professional, you know, photo shoots with tens of thousands of dollars per day rate, uh, or something where you snap, you know, something outside of, of your window and get paid like, you know, 20 yeah, bucks like, or something hey, like we, this. Hey, we need a shot of the Taj Mahal. You know, is anybody in India? And, you mm-hmm. know, you upload it versus we need a production quality, you know, video shoot. And that's the other question. Does it encompass video as well? I so, think, yeah, I think it's going to cover everything because photographers and videographers are very, like, it's becoming very fluid. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, if you shoot photography, you might as well do 360. Uh, you might as do do something around VR. So uh, I think eventually, uh, not at least not at this stage, but, uh, you know, maybe at some point in the future, there's going to be just checkboxes. Like, hey, uh, you know, I'm Frederick. I shoot drone photography. And mm-hmm. I shoot, like, yeah. underwater. And I shoot this yeah. and that. I think that... Yeah. Here's here's a question for you. Like, for example, you're you're a photographer. You're traveling. You have itinerary for March, and you're going to Cuba. Can can you tell 500px? Hey, if you're going to need shots for you know whatever promotional material you have in Havana, you know I'll be there. I'll have your images by such and such a date. Can you can you do something like that? Well, I think not proactively at this point, but uh, the ultimate goal is that the, the ultimate goal is that if you have the app installed, the app would ping and say like, "Oh, this guy is in Cuba," you know, and then nice. it might it might tell you like, "Oh, we have three assignments in Cuba." Like, you know, you can you can accept them and you can do it, or you just <sighs> go and relax. It's like an Uber Uber style. Exactly. Yeah, That's very I was just cool. Think of that. Exactly. That's oh, very that killer. Yeah, because yeah. you're like, hey, Task Rabbit style Uber yeah, style. Yeah, That's you just cool. like, oh, yeah. I'm in Chicago, and then you get an alert that says. Hey, you want to make five grand? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like very passive. So, like, if you don't want to do this, you don't do this. And if you happen to have, you know, in the area, and you're nothing, you not nothing to do, and it seems like an easy task, then you do this. And I think, you know, uh, for uh, for top professional photographers, that might not be worth it. And I think that's always the case with you know services like this. But for a, a large chunk of amateur or prof- like you know semi-professional photographers who have great gear but they're not uh, proactively making money with their with their uh, you know with their work. Oh, you mean like like most of the audience, including me, right? like like me as well. You know, <laughs> That's I, like incredible. I don't I don't sell my photos pr- like I don't you know I shoot for fun. Uh, I happen to make some money on the side through selling my photography and through like custom shoots, but it's not something that I. Uh, do full time, so yeah. I can go and do some fun shoots, even if it pays me fifty bucks, and still be happy about that. So it's kind of like that kind of slice of people who happen to have you know decent cameras and 
hands, you know, growing from the right place. <laughs> that's, yeah. an, that's an incredible. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious, Steve. So you're you're a pro shooter, right? So you shoot for that casino, and and for the folks that haven't seen your portfolio, it's, the sports photography that you do is insane. I mean, these are like things that you that they're going to be in the Smithsonian, you know, in 50 years when these people get inducted in. You'll sports? see these pictures. I'm sorry, in the in the uh, what is it? The Hard Rock <laughs> Hall of Fame, whatever yeah. for musicians. Concert. So that place, yeah. <laughs> concert photography. It's, hey, it's like sports. It's it's like sports, yeah. So my question for you is: so say you know you're you kind of have your routine down, you have your main client and all that, but say you're doing you know you're going someplace else, you're going to watch a per- particular performer perform here in San Francisco or in Arizona or something. You're bringing your gear with you. Would something like this appeal to you, like where you could oh, you know yeah. I got to yeah, you know I, I know I, there's all the credentials and all that stuff you need to get in order to shoot it, but would you would you leverage a service like this? Yeah, I, I would leverage a service like this. I think depending on the type of photography that somebody does, this is perfect for them. You know, when I when I first saw this, I had so many questions in my head. Mm-hmm. And Evgeny, as he described it all, okay, he just answered that one. Uh, oh, okay, he just answered mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. And he just went down the list and he answered all of my questions because I had, when I first saw this, the thought that hit me was, what Microstock did to stock photography photographers, right? I mean, stock photography photographers would set up these complex shoots and they, they, they'd make a lot of money for their shoots. And the industry switched on Microstock, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people made less money for their shots, but they sold more shots. Yeah. And the big paying jobs were less. They're still there, but they're less. And I thought, is this going to do that to commercial photography? But in the way that he's described it, you're still going to have those shoots where you're going to take a makeup artist with you and a lighting director with you. And you're going to go to a beach in the Caribbean and, and shoot somebody in a bikini on, on location and make tens of thousand dollars a day. If that's what the shoot needs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that that fits me, but would I take advantage of it if there was a job listed that, that did fit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you end up with different types of scenarios in what I do. And that is that if I'm shooting somebody on stage, I don't have a model release for them. Um, but if I'm shooting from way back of the crowd with the stage blown out and hands in the air, that's generic lifestyle photography at that point. Um, so, I mean, I, I can use that type of thing. There, there, I still do have questions on this, though, and maybe, maybe Evgeny can answer these. But when you when you get the whatever it's going to be called, the job, and it's an RFP, and it's a, a proposal that this is the type of shot that we need, and I'll make something up. We need a photograph of... Um, a person in a Corvette parked on a beach and you set all of this up. At what point does that get assigned to you as spec? So now you've got to get the Corvette, get the makeup artist, get the model, find the beach, get everything on there, get your permits. And is it still spec at that point? Because at that point you've invested money to present that to the client. At what point does the client say, we trust you go shoot it no matter the, what the cost is yeah you're, you're right uh think of that instead instead of a very specific shoot and i think in that case you would have everything like in your scenario uh this is a very custom thing that i described with the automotive shoot and i think it would be decided that you're a photographer you'll sign the papers so that's okay. your shoot but for more generic one you know think like sub hundred dollar sub fifty dollar uh, shoots, it would be something more generic in the sense that, like, hey, we need photos. Uh, so, for example, we had uh, a big contract with uh, with Google. You know, they wanted a lot of uh, photos of cities. 
for you know for search results for their Google flights and like you know kind of like a whole bunch of their sites. And it's just like a photo of the city. So we need photos of like Moscow, Shanghai, New York, Toronto, uh, Los Angeles, you know. And, and like we need just fresh photos because if, if I'm looking at San Francisco today, now there's like Salesforce towers going up and like now there's Bay Bridge open. So I want to have those kind of things. I don't want the photos of four years ago where there's, where those things didn't exist. So uh, they just need refresher for these kind of photos. And they are more generic. And if that's a Corvette parked, uh, like, on the beach, that would be more generic as, like, hey, we, we need an open-top car uh, in a nice location, you know, but we need 50 of those uh, cars. At, at which point, multi, you could have 300 people submit exactly. photos on exactly. spec at that point, and then they pick one. So that reminds me of, I can't remember the name of the company. There's a company you can do logos, business logos, and you do 99 that. 99 Designs. Uh, 99, 99 Designs. designs yep. So it's similar to 99 Designs at that point where it's, look, this is what we're looking for. Throw some stuff out there and we'll pick one. Uh, in, in essence, yes. I'm hoping it's going to be higher quality than that because a lot of people re, kind of like reuse logos and just like put a different name of that. But I think mm-hmm. it was the same with photography. If, if Google wants to buy a photo of San Francisco and then another company comes by and says like, oh, we need photos of San Francisco too, of course they're going to sell it. It's like, yeah. sure thing. Yeah. You know, I have a bunch of those. You know? I think this is an incredible tool. I have a friend of, of mine in Tucson that has his own um, web development company. And he asked me if, if a good idea would be to hire on a photographer to go and capture their own exclusive um, you know, images that they can copyright and make their own because they don't want anything generic. Like they don't want any they don't want to pull, you know, a stock photo from someplace. They want someone to go out that, you know, someone that aligns with their brand, someone that they can communicate with, know their work, align with their story, see if there's a match. And then send that person out, you know, on assignment to get those images that they own that not, you know, they can, you know, find on a billboard for some other, you know, competitive, you know, competitive mm-hmm. company, something like that. I think that's, in- I think that's incredible. Here's something that popped into my mind only from my most recent experience, um, especially Steve, when you said concert photography, um, amateurs are thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. And, and in Tucson, we have a, a fair, um, a fairly active um, amateur and aspiring professional photography group. And uh, there was a local concert that happened here and everybody just wanted to do it for free. I'll just, mm. just, just to go there, just to be there. Oh boy. Do I know that? You, you know, so that's, yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, concert photography, he, you know, he's going to have something to say about this. So Steve, Evgeny, what do you think about that? Like the amateurs that are just get their 5d3 or their whatever full frame thing that they have because, you know, they have disposable income or their stay at home mom or dad that has a passion they can go get a great image and they'll just do it because they just want to be in, you know, in the environment, you know, how does, how does that play into, you know, what you see going on with 500 PX and, and clients hiring and so forth. Which is what I said about the stock micro stock thing. You know, this could have an impact on the generic general commercial photography world and affect the people that are making their living at commercial photography, but it will possibly bring in a whole bunch of new photographers that will make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Christopher, I want to share a little story. So there was a guy, uh, and still a guy, uh, who was 
in Toronto going to every single social event for more than a year. Like if there is a fashion week, he's there. If there is uh, like a car show, he's there. Every single show, every single like tech, st- tech meetup, uh, any kind of meetup, he was there. He was shooting for free. You know, giving photos, putting them on Facebook with his uh, logo and everything like this. A year, maybe a year and a half later, he gets hired for all those events that he was shooting for free. Mm. Because he, <laughs> he, he was shown consistency going to hundreds of events every year. Basically like mm. working a day and night and spending a year building his name. And, you know, if somebody has a, a tech meetup and they're like, oh, is there a photographer? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there's a guy who will show up anyway. Uh, but mm-hmm. basically, now you'll have to pay him, you know, to right. get the photos. So right. it, 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 people who shoot for free, they want to get a uh, great concert. For, and they, like, maybe they'll get the great concert photos. Maybe they will need a few of those concerts to play with. But eventually, they want to, you know, five or ten concerts down the road, they'll probably want to get paid for that. Right. Well, can I throw something out on? Yeah, yeah, on go that? for it. Because in my in my industry, concert photography this is a, a huge issue, and a lot of people are mad about it, and some people don't care, and and everybody wants to shoot their favorite band, right? Oh my gosh, I love X Y Z artist. I want to go photograph X Y Z artist. Mm-hmm. First of all, in real name brand artists, uh, you can't just go in with a camera to shoot. Um, you have to have a media outlet. So you have to be media usually to shoot them. But there are exceptions to that in smaller venues and in smaller towns and with, with younger bands. And here's the problem is those people go shoot those shows for a year. They build a portfolio shooting for free and selling them to the local bands or whatever. But then when they do get paid a year or two down the road after they've built their resume, they've depressed the cost of the industry. Now, I'm not begrudging mm. them doing it, right? We've all done that. We all have to start somewhere. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go shoot this, and I'm going to get experience. That's interning on your own, basically, is right. what I call it, right? And there is nothing wrong. I'm one of the people who I, I don't have a problem with people going out and interning on their own. My problem is you have to know when to cut it off. So, for example, when you're suddenly going to a Live Nation show, the number one promoter in the country, and you're shooting a name brand at a name venue, and Live Nation comes to you and says, well, I, I, I can get shots for free from everybody, so I'm not going to pay you for it. Mm. And you take that, you now depress the industry and make it to where you are going to have a hard time making a living doing that. And people tell me, you know, oh, you know, this band wants to buy my photo and they say they can't afford it. They're a local band. And my response is always the same. If a local band playing in a bar downtown needs a new $2,000 Fender Stratocaster right. and amp, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go buy it. People spend money on those things that will further their career. So when you're a photographer and you're shooting for free, I would simply say that sooner than later, you need to realize that your work, your, your gear that you buy and the skill that you've built is worth money and you need to charge for it at some point. This is the same thing that happened in the and probably continues to happen in the wedding space, right? Cause you, oh, yeah. You have the people that come in with the, they got a brand new camera, they got a, a website, and, you know, boom, I put out my shingle, and now we see lawsuits and all this other stuff. So, Evgeny, part of my, my closing question on this, um, you painted some scenarios. So are we going to see this kind of engine 
start powering other things like weddings and portraits and and all that because it's like you were describing it as the uber for photography where you're pairing drivers with people that need to get somewhere you're pairing clients with people that can shoot it are we going to see it kind of spread out into different genres yeah well i think we we saw the uberization not just photography but every aspect of lives you know so people expect to do uh, multiple gigs at the same time, work multiple jobs, do different things, you know, switch, uh, kind of like, not switch careers, but have multiple careers, multiple mm-hmm. part-time careers. And I think it's going to be the new norm. norm. The, you know, the more, the more I uh, meet younger people, they don't have full-time jobs. The, you know, they're not, and younger, I mean like 18, 19 years old, they mm-hmm. try to get like a couple of hundreds from Instagram through promoting posts, you know, a couple of hundreds from Friend Pixels through selling their work, like doing wedding shoots for cheap because they're young and inexperienced, doing like other shoots here and there. So it's kind of like they are jack of all trades and maybe eventually they'll hit something where, where, where they'll get paid more and they'll focus on that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, you know, people that I meet and people that I talk to, they just do everything. You tell them that you need to do lifestyle, they'll do lifestyle. You know, weddings, they'll do weddings. You know, yeah. they wouldn't say no to to paying gig. Uh, and in in the which is scary, right? Because you yeah. know what they say: jack of all trades, master of none. Right? You know, that that's what's happening in the world. You know, there's people yeah. driving Uber who have other part-time jobs, and. Uh, it's, it's just it's just where we are, you know, it's right now. It's just where it is. Crazy. Well, congratulations Incredible. on the service, man. That is, uh, that is really cool. You guys are always doing, like, pushing the envelope forward. I'll close on this. this. When we first started talking, the conversation was around 500 pics, PX pixels as the, what, what Flixel, or not Flixel, what Flickr should have been. Right. It was like, you know, 500 PX came along as like, this is what Flickr, this is how they should have innovated into into this space. But you guys did it and kind of took the torch and ran forward. Do you guys still consider is is Flickr still on your radar at all? Or is it just, you know, on the on the horizon back there behind you? Not for me. I think it's not even a priority, even for Verizon and even for Yahoo itself. So I think, you know, it's it's largely written off and, yeah. you know, it, but again, like compare foreign pics to Instagram, we're tiny mm-hmm. compared to Instagram now. So it's kind of like we're 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 kind of playing in a different space, and 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 that space is more how can we make uh, how can we help make photographers their living? You know, how can we bring them a few hundred dollars, maybe a few thousand dollars a month, yeah. help them with their expenses, a new camera, you know, a new filter, and how can we make it fun and not not the microstock level, you know, mm-hmm. not pay like some stocks pay. I've seen the new stock that was down to two cents per image. And I'm like, you know what? Oh, wow. If I get two cents per download, I'm going to be pissed. So yeah, that, for that, I would just keep my images. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know what? Even if I sell hundred of those images uh, in, in a given month, but for two cents each, I, I don't think I would want them to be no. uh, available for sale. Just like steal it, you know, make, yeah, it, make, exactly. it, make it easier for all of us. Just go and steal it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would feel better <laughs> if someone stole an image yeah. rather than paying two cents for it. Yes. <laughs> you, so just br- you just brought up payment for stock images. And I'm curious, there's one thing we didn't touch on on the 500 picks for business, and that is... 
I know that you have your stock photography thing where you can, or, or print photography, you can sell canvases and stuff like that. I would stop doing that a few years ago. Okay. Not anymore. Um, well, on this 500 picks, per, 500 picks for business, is there a split of some sort? For whatever that contract amount is for that you get for the job, I mean, how does five hundred? I'm, I'm assuming five hundred picks gets a piece of that. Yeah, uh, there is definitely commission. So uh, I'm not sure what the percentage is right now. Um, okay. That's all I can tell. So it's a commission. It's a finder's yeah. fee yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, for, that makes sense. Yeah, for exclusive uh, photo stock, it's sixty forty sixty to photographer forty to to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, non-exclusive is the opposite. Got it. Okay. Got it. And we'll link to all that stuff in the notes. So cool. if you're listening or watching this, just go to the website and we'll click. We'll link over to it, or just go over to 500picks.com, right? And yeah, it's all you there. guys will have yeah, everything think, there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, guys, let's move on to listener Q and A. This is the segment where you guys get to answer a question that came in from the Twip Army. This question for this week comes in from David. He says, "I only have fifteen hundred bucks to spend." I want to shoot portraits and landscapes, and I shoot with Nikon DSLRs. Which lenses should I invest in? And my my response to that plural of lenses and Nikon DSLR, maybe not good. Those aren't going to go together. Who shoots Nikon on here? Oh, Steve. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, you do, Evgeny. Steve, you're, you're, you're Canon, right? I'm I'm Canon, but I asked a friend what he would suggest. Oh, for, oh, you phone, icon. you phone use your lifeline. Yeah, Yevgeny, what do you what do you, what do you think, Yevgeny? Fifteen hundred right. bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks. Well, it's U.S. dollars, not Canadian, so it goes a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. I think that I would definitely go, let's say, with the Sigma fifty mil uh, or used uh, Nikon fifty mil. Could be 1.8, you know, just doesn't doesn't matter much. You'll get a great portrait lens for that. Uh, if you want something like it's pretty universal, so if you want something more portrait, uh, go with 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those get a little pricier. So again, I would just go with a used one. Doesn't matter. Uh, and for landscapes and that kind of stuff, you definitely need the wide wide angle. Something uh, most beautiful photos, landscape photos that I've seen on foreign PX were shot with wide angle, like 16 to 35. Uh, and there's a great uh, old lens for Nikon. I think it's, uh, I think it's exactly 17 to 35, 2.8. Mm. Uh, it's, they don't longer make it, but it can be had used probably for about 700, 800 bucks, I think. Uh, okay. Not sure about the current prices, but that's a very sharp, beautiful lens. And for landscapes, again, you're going to be closing down the aperture, so the quality of the glass is going to matter less. Unless you're shooting with 36 megapixel Nikon, then it's going to matter a lot. Right, um, right. And then nothing's going to help there. <laughs> Good answer. So, all right, Steve, what was your lifeline? What did they uh, What did they say? Yeah, and just so that for the Canon listeners out there, for me, it would probably be on a Canon body. It would probably be the 24 to 105 f4. Um, which is about mm-hmm. 1100 bucks. They just released the brand new Mark II, which is super sharp, mm-hmm. super nice lens. So that, that'd be it. In the Nikon world, I called a friend of mine, Troy, and he lives with this lens, loves this lens when he's you know traveling and for an all-around lens. It's the 24 to 120 F4 no. VR. No. I'm gonna sell no, you don't I, like that I, lens? I'm going to sell it to the listener. <laughs> really? You don't like it? It's just the same as 24 to 105. It's dark. It's a four. You know, you don't get the bokeh. You don't, it's just, 
Well, you don't. Okay, for, but, but again, I, if he's going to spend... Because I, yeah, I bought it because I wanted the universal lens. It's a great universal lens. You're exactly correct. But it's like... Uh, it's like... It's, it's great range, great quality, but it doesn't have any kind of soul. Well, I would say if you've got 1500 to spend and you're going to buy one lens, you pair that, you've got 400 left over, which you could then use for either a fisheye from a Sigma or something like that, or you could buy a 50 millimeter. But like for me, the 24 to 105, I love that. For outdoors, the F4 is absolutely fine if I'm doing a landscape shot with it. And uh, for portrait, it's a single go-to lens, and it's really good, clean, sharp glass. Um, so I think for many people, that would be one good lens that would be a good lens to have in their kit. Uh, but again, not a Nikon shooter. So. My, my suggestion on that would be to listen to everything that you guys are saying and, and rent lenses. <laughs> rent. Rent and I find the right one for you. G lens is incredible. For portrait, the 85, which yeah. one? Yeah, the, that G, the 85 1.4, the, the G lens. Yeah, um, I shot that on budget. a D750. That's an incredible lens. It's the ultimate portrait lens. Yeah, it? it's really good. Um, yeah. What's it I, run? I, you know, I looked and I saw one on Adorama for $1,200 used. Yeah. It's expensive. But if he's shooting a crop sensor... He may be able to get a 16 or a 24 and to get a teleconverter for, you know, 80 bucks or something like that. Throw it on and have, you know, a, you know, a 50 or something like that, depending on what he's shooting. You know, there's always yeah. that option to go even a little bit cheaper. Very good. Cool. Well, good thoughts. Good thoughts. So $1,500 uh, and Nikon, those two words. You know, I think that's one lens, to be honest with yeah. you. Unless it's the 50, like Evgeny, you were saying, you know, the Fast 50, they should definitely start there. They don't have yeah, any that's lenses. that's inexpensive. Yeah, you can get a Fast 50 for, for relatively cheap and used even cheaper. So, and that's a great place to start for an everyday normal lens. But when you start getting up into that, that 85 millimeter G lens that Chris is talking about, now you're, you know, you're talking to a banker. Uh, <laughs> you got to choose your kids or this G lens. Exactly. Literally, Harvard or community college. Uh, how do you feel about community college? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Charter online school. Exactly. Yeah, online. Yeah, there you go. YouTube. It's all, good. <laughs> all right, listeners, if you have a question you'd like to for for us to tackle on the show you can get us on social media or become a patron on patreon.com and post your questions there and we'll uh that's where we pull from the bucket for questions for twip first have you ever wanted to go on a photo adventure in and around the yucatan peninsula in mexico well come join me and federico chiele for an unforgettable adventure the yucatan peninsula is in southeastern mexico and it separates the caribbean sea from the gulf of mexico our adventure will take us to see ancient pyramids pink flamingos crystal clear cenotes those are mysterious giant freshwater underground holes and we'll also be shooting and having amazing meals in charming historic town centers surrounded by authentic local culture. Yucatan blends ancient Maya and Aztec culture with the stunning architecture of the Spanish colonial period. We'll be staying in Izamal, known as the city of three cultures, pre-Hispanic, colonial, and modern. Izamal is a visual feast. Nearly every structure is painted egg yolk yellow, providing a thoroughly unique aesthetic for your camera. So the details. We're heading down February 11th through February 18th, 2017, and we're only taking 10 people. 
and I'd love for you to join us. You can get all the details and sign up now at twipwanderlust.com. That's twipwanderlust.com. All right, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. This is where you guys get to pick something to recommend to the TWIP army. Chris, I'm going to let you go first, man. What is your pick of the week? My pick of the week, I actually got it. I got it today, and I'm Uh very excited about this. Everybody knows that... uh, that DJI is, is stepping things up big time. I was in Iceland, and I, when I landed in L.A., I landed to find out they had a new Inspire, and they also yeah. had a new Phantom. So, naturally, I had to get one. So, my pick of the week <laughs> is this little guy right here. This is the Phantom 4 Pro that oh, came in today. And uh, the, the pick of it's going to be, I guess, the CMOS... The one-inch CMOS sensor that's finding its way everywhere. It's in the mm-hmm. LX10 from Panasonic, you know, RX10, RX100. Um, but this this particular step up as far as um, the sensor, it's got the one-inch sensor. It's 20 megapixels now. It shoots 4K at 60 frames a second. Oh, it's okay. uh, the the bit rate's much higher at 100 megabits a second. H dot 264 and 265 lots of frame rates um it it's actually a pro it's a pro drone this though, is a right? this is, is for for the phantom series this is as, as good as it's gonna get this is right. as good as it's yeah, gonna after get after that you're stepping into inspire but yeah my my question is uh have you have you taken that out of the box yet this was, i just took it out of the box that it came in from china i haven't even taken the seal off i, I kept it here just to unveil to you guys Oh, very cool! Ooh, yeah, very, and you're so. just you're like, can these guys please finish talking yeah. so I can go play with my drone? No, I was excited but, to get that. Yeah, but Chris, you have a you have a Mavic too, right? You know what? The Mavic didn't didn't stand the, the test for me, to be honest. What with you. happened? You, you know, know, well, tell us, tell us know, about the, that because everyone's raving about the it. Mavic. It flew. It was incredible to fly it. The tap to focus. I I I tried to do everything, but I could not get the lens. To focus, there was blurry, oh. like blurry spots and mush everywhere. I shot in 2.7K. I shot in 1080P. I shot in 4K. I shot flat. I graded footage. I looked at some of the images. It just didn't hold up. You know, I reset everything, recalibrated everything. It just didn't hold oh. up. And then I said, you know what? If I was in Iceland with this thing, it wouldn't have held up anyway because I flew a Phantom 4 up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to thinking. Sure, it's cute, it's convenient, it's powerful, you know, it's got tripod mode, it's got all these really cool features. But then I thought, you know what, I already love the Phantom. The next step up is a one inch with, you know, 2.8 aperture to F11. I mean, better dynamic range, more of the safety features, you know, it's got four directional um, obstacle avoidance plus the, yeah. the sensors on the bottom. Um you know, it's got different bands it can fly on, so it's it's just a much better setup. Yeah, it's yeah. the best you can get from DJI optically um, from a Phantom series. It's right it's without awesome. stepping up to the Inspire Two series. Yeah, without mm-hmm. going to uh, four thirds on an Inspire or Inspire Two. Yeah, right. right. As a non-drone flyer, what does that run? The this one is fourteen ninety nine. The the okay. the pro version of the Phantom Four. Yeah. Look at that. But it doesn't fold. It does not fold. It will break and bend. <laughs> but it stays in the air. It stays, it in, will it stay stays in the air. air. It, it takes pictures. Yes. Yeah. Which you you're, you got half the battle done there. 
Yes. Yeah, that's weird that you say that about your about the camera on your uh, on your Mavic. I, mine has been tack sharp. I know, know. Maybe I, I, it almost. I wonder, there's a, Chris, there's a, there's a little a piece of there's a little piece of plastic on the lens. Oh, Did you peel off. that off? I took them off. I took everything off. I was like, oh, there's little <laughs> tiny pieces of plastic on the optical sensors in the front. I did everything. I went into the forums. You know, I even shot a house with it. I shot them back to back. I compared the footage. I looked at it on the computer. I did it all. And when I when I took it back, which I got it from the Apple Store, which was weird. When I took it back. The guy was like, "Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but great things about it." He's like, "Give it back yeah. to us, you know. Hopefully, we'll get one." Yeah, it sounds like you got a lemon. You got a lemon. That's yeah, it's like. a flawed unit. Yeah. So huh. yeah, I'll be well, back. It was great to fly. I'll be back. Yeah, you'll get. Well, you'll probably you'll fly this Phantom Four, and then you'll get the Mavic Two, which will have obstacle avoidance on all dimensions, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're you're still ahead of the game. At least you're in the air, unlike some people, Steve. So. <laughs> Phantom yeah. 3, Steve. Under the I, I know. Phantom 3 is sitting back there. Three batteries, man. We'll talk. Ready to go. We'll talk. All right. All right. Steve, let's, let's segue over to you, man. What's your pick of the week? Those. I Uh-oh. am an Olo Clip Ooh. fan. Ooh. Uh, I, when, when we went on a family vacation to Italy last year, I didn't want to be that dad with the DSLR. And the hold on, family. Wait while I get this shot. I didn't want to be that guy because I was that guy in Hawaii and I didn't want to do it in Italy. So I have no problem with being that guy. <laughs> I, and I didn't in Italy. I stopped traffic for one shot. Yeah. Um, but in Italy, I thought I'm going to take the Olo clips and just see what happens with the, with the iPhone 6 uh, 6S. And it worked fine. The, the Olo clips for the 6 series were not super sharp. They were really not sharp at the edges and they were moderately sharp in the center. But... It worked. I got shots that I liked for a family vacation, and I got some artistic shots that I wanted, and I, I had you know all the lenses that, that I could get at the time. When they came out promoting the ones for the, the iPhone 7 series, iPhone 7 uh, and iPhone 7 Plus, they said that the optics were greatly improved. And I thought, all right, I want to see this. Well, for my birthday, my family bought them for me because they know that I like them. And they bought me both kits. So this one is the core kit, and this is a fisheye. Mm-hmm. And then Hold that up it, a little bit. We can't see it. Yeah, here you go. That's for the seven plus. It's out. Uh, this is for the seven and seven plus. Um, it has a different adapter for both. And actually, the lens is kind of spring loaded now to fit over whatever you're doing. But this is it. Let me hold it where you can see it. Nice. Okay. And if you look close, there's a lens on each side. And this one is a wide angle. It's 120 degrees super wide. Mm-hmm. The other side is a fisheye. And then if you unscrew one of the lenses, that side becomes a 15-time macro. Mm-hmm. And they're all pretty darn sharp. I was really impressed. The other kit is this one, which is the active. Mm-hmm. This is a telephoto. Yeah. And then the other right. one is I'm brand new them, to them. It's the ultra-wide. It's 155 degrees. This one was 120. This is a 155-degree angle. And I love the 155-degree angle. It's almost the feeling of the fisheye. But uh, being full frame as opposed to circular fisheye. But here's what else they did that I really, really like. Mm -hmm. When you take these off, let me get over the mic here. When you take these off of the clip, the lenses used to be permanent on attached. Well, these lenses actually come off. Oh, are they magnets or how do they? No, it's it's a pin and push pin. Uh So you put the pin in and then you push pin. So for me, or anything. 
I'm going to keep the 120 probably on one side and the 155 on the other side. And then the other one will be my special lenses, telephoto and fisheye. But wait, there's more. There's more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the clip that it goes on, right? And when you clip it on this clip, it just kind of clips in. But this is brand new. You can actually, I don't know if you can see this. I'm kind of light, close to the light for being bright. But let me, uh, you can pull it apart. Oh, and the that. reason for that is this. A lanyard, too? <gasps> no, stop it. Okay. Well, hey, hey, describe what you're doing for the listening audience there. Uh, okay, yeah, that's right. For people not watching video. So the Oloclip lenses, um, they fit over the iPhone. Then there's it's one clip with a lens on each side. And the lens that's on the side of the screen fits over the selfie lens. The lens that's on the outside fits over the normal camera lens. And then you can pick it up, turn it around, and switch lenses on whichever one. Well, they clip on a little clip. And the clip now splits in half into kind of a V and has two grooves in it to use as an iPhone stand. So you can put the iPhone in it either for watching movies or for shooting video or for whatever it is that you need. Um, Really, really nice sets. I've got both of them, and so far I'm really liking them. I, I have not done any any you know serious testing yet, but the shots that I've taken so far, the sharpness is noticeably different. I mean, is it a DSLR? No, but com- you know, paired with an iPhone Seven camera that now has IS on it and great glass, it's a nice combination. And what are, what are we looking at cost wise? How much is that thing? Um, I you know they were a gift, but as I recall, the the main set i think they were 120 uh or one i think one of them was 99 and one of them was 120 if you You get the active lens set which is is the one with the the iphone 7 yeah that one is 119 bucks the core lens set is 99 bucks yeah and so i've got both and and really really happy with them so far and what i use them for is they're great like if i'm shooting a concert and i'm in the photo pit i'll turn around throw the fisheye on or now i'm going to start using the 155 ultra wide and I'll stand up on the barrier because when you shoot a concert, you're between the stage and the audience where the security is. I'll stand up on the barrier, get everybody's hands up in the air, and I'll shoot an ultra wide to post on social media really quick. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. I, I, so far, I'm really happy with it. Now, do they? So, see that the problem I have with this, I love these, but it for me, it, it kind of defeats the purpose of my phone because I'm bringing extra little bits and baubles along with me to get a photo when I feel like I could just whip out my phone, you know, slide the camera icon up, snap the picture, throw it back in my pocket and keep going. And if I wanted, and Steve, you and I were talking about this. I think if I wanted to get something more considered, why wouldn't I just use a, a normal camera that I have really good optics on? So well, how do you, how do you again, combat that? This is, this is my workflow. Now, I will say these don't work on a case, although I am getting the Oloclip case which then allows them to slip. But I have a soft rubber iPhone case that just bends right off. It's not a hard rubber one. Mm-hmm. But I use one of these things. So I take this and I clip it on my belt loop. And what is that thing? Uh, carabiner? Is that what they call them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah, little like, mountaineering clips, but uh, it's a small ring. It's a D-ring, yep. <clears throat> like a D-ring, yeah. Um, thin on one side, fat on the other. And I use this. I have a couple of them together and I put you know little rings like on a keychain on the Oloclip uh, holders. I clip that on my belt loop, and so all I do is unclip the lens, clip it on my phone, take the picture, clip it back, and it just hangs there. It, it, okay. it It's a really fast lens change to me. Okay. Let me try that out. Next time I see you, let me try that out. I'm, I'm close to being sold, but it just feels like extra stuff when I'm LA trying bound, to get into Magic this world of, of, yeah, steak. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, okay. All right. Well, thanks for that. So 119 bucks, you can augment your iPhone camera. And I'm assuming the video would look fantastic. Have you shot video using Olive yeah, yet? Yeah. And you know what else I like these for? And here's another thing. Obviously, iPhones or, or your phone, whatever it is, Android phone, iPhone, it's the number one camera out there nowadays. Most people are using their phones for cameras. Right. Um, it makes, just by throwing this on, it makes your pictures just not look like another phone shot. It yeah. just changes them enough that they're not just normal phone snapshots. So, yeah, really nice. All right. Well, cool. All right, uh, Yevgeny Chabotarov, man, what is your pick of the week? Oh, I was thinking hard about that because you put me on the spot. Um, yeah, that's why I let you go last. I know. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I looked around the room and... <laughs> You know your pig doesn't. It doesn't have to be a I thing. Know. It could be a technique or no, no, no. But, but something inspirational. I don't know if other people picked it in other shows, but um, I've been using the uh, Pig Design Everyday Backpack, and mm. I've been a fan of their Everyday Messenger bag when it came out. Uh, I used the the bigger one, the only one that they had for a while, and realized that this is perfect city bag, except it's slightly just like a couple of inches too big on the sides. So I'm really jealous for people who get the 13-inch bag now. Uh, but the backpack is kind of like what I prefer for my trips, and I'm thinking that it's going to be perfect for even long-term trips with the mirrorless camera, like Fuji. Uh, it fits uh, Fujifilm, like, you know, X-T1 kind of camera, uh, yeah. three lenses, and it will probably have space for Mavic, like at least they have another compartment that fits, you know, something uh, like a couple of I books. Can, I can confirm that everything you're saying is true and it does fit. Yeah, <laughs> and I think this is perfect because laptop is there, you know, charging cables and everything is going to fit in, a camera, three lenses, uh, and a drone because I hate it when you know you had to get a separate backpack and when yeah. Karma came out and they showed the video of a huge freaking backpack uh, and I'm like how it was a parachute yeah and I'm like how is this more compact so 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 when I saw the Mavic uh, how tiny it is and like you know just throw it in a bag and forget about it basically I think that's kind of like the ultimate. Uh, and the bag is tiny. Like I got the twenty liter one, so it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's like it's very compact. I found um, I used uh, Think Tank uh, the mind shift gear uh, bags for for a few years, and mm -hmm. they are great. Except when you are in a night market somewhere in Asia, and you're like you know shift around through the crowd and you hit everything, and people are like you know curse you. Uh. Uh, and you curse them back because I'm studying Chinese now. <laughs> so yeah. we curse each other. But like with this bag, it's slightly smaller profile. Uh, so I'm hitting, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to hitting much less uh, things and, you know, knock off all the, so yeah. Um, yeah. And like the quality is great. I use the messenger bag, uh, just like looks as good as new after half a year or a year use. So I think it's going to yeah. last for at least, you know, three, four, maybe five, maybe ten years. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, they did a really good job on that. Yeah, I have one too, and I have much of the same stuff in it. And what I added to mine was I also have the the everyday sling because they re re they released the sling as well. And if I'm heading out and I just want to bring the drone, meaning I don't need all my other gear with me, I just put the drone bits in the sling. And that's a tiny little thing, and I'm off, you know, and I don't have the big old bag or stuff that I don't need with me. It's just I'm going out to fly anyway, so I just bring 
just the stuff I need to fly with and I'm good to go. Yeah, it's so. nice to feel free. <laughs> I know, man. I, hey, but you know what? That Steve, that Phantom Three is amazing. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't unsell your Phantom. Yeah. I was like, Frederick, where's the credit card at? Yeah. The Phantom Three is like the best drone that I, it's the best I got first drone I ever you. had. I got just the perfect deal for you. I will trade you a bottle of barbecue sauce. Oh, there for the you drone. Go. There you go. <laughs> Where do I I'm going to leave that alone, Steve. Okay. <laughs> I'm working it. I'm not done working it. I'm going to keep going. Send me a bottle of wine and we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. talk. There you go. All right. Well, cool, guys. Well, thank you. Those are three good picks of the week. Uh, Chris, that was your first pick of the week, man. How do you thank feel? Thank you. I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> Look at that. Steve, Steve, you've been on before, right? Well, what, yeah, you yeah, have ten, been on. Yeah, uh, f- episode 483. There you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. There you go. And now four eight four nine three. Look at that. Ten episodes ago. Cool. All right, guys. We are at the end of another episode of well, Twip. Let's, what's your pick? I don't have a pick today. I don't have a... I, you know what I was going to do? I was going to... I'm waiting on it to show up. <laughs> it has not shown up yet. I ordered the Insta360. Have you guys seen that thing? Ooh, let's hear about it. So Insta360. So I have a Theta. You know, for shooting right. 360, the Theta S. Rico. Yeah, the Rico Theta S, which is great. You've, have you seen this video? This guy, he did the comparison of the Mavic and the Karma, and we linked to oh, it. iPhone-do. Oh, iPhone-do, yes, yeah, iPhone-do. I love that guy. That guy is brilliant, <laughs> and he did, he did a 360 comparison of the Nikon Key Mission 360 and other solutions on the market, basically, you know, saying the Key, key Mission was not ready for prime time. In not so nice words, uh, but one of the ones, one of the the cameras that he was recommending was the Insta three sixty, which I hadn't heard of, and it's this camera that sticks onto your iPhone. It has a little lightning connector on there, and you slide it on your iPhone, and you you know you can be up and shooting within a couple of minutes. Unlike the Theta, where if you want to see what you're shooting, you got to pair it and you know go through the Wi Fi, all that stuff. This and apparently, according to him, the quality is better than the Theta. So I didn't make it my pick yet because I need to compare the quality of that camera to my Theta. But I'll make it my pseudo pick because I ordered it. <laughs> and Amazon, if they keep their word, say that it will arrive tomorrow. So nice. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, so maybe on the next twip I'll make it my official pick. But yeah, it's called Insta360. All one word. Right on. All right, so Yevgeny, where uh, where should people go to check out your world travels and the stuff that you're you're shooting, and you know, so they can live vicariously through you? Oh man, I don't even know. Uh, just go to Fire and Pixels, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, just that little site I made. <laughs> all right, so yeah, 500 px. That we'll link to it. We'll link to it in the in the show notes. But you're all over the place. You're on there. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter and all that stuff. Are you keeping up posting on all those services, or do you just post to 500px and Instagram? 500px and Instagram um, mostly, and the rest is just kind of like uh, like some automated posting to whatever Twitter and Facebook. So it, it's hard it's hard to do all of them. So I'm trying to do just whatever whatever works for me. You should just cut it down to Instagram, man. That's it. It'd be like all the all the cool kids. The party's at Instagram now. Be done with it. Yeah, and I even stopped doing Snapchat. I, I guess you know, growing too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Snapchat and me, we had a fleeting relationship. It was like 
stopping into a party and peeking in the door and being like, oh, no, nah, I, I am go. not going to. <laughs> not for me. That is not for me. But it's going to be so gonna... much fun. You just have to, just have to make that Come leap. Come on, Frederick. It's going to be great. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Take that it's pill. Like you yeah. open the door. Frederick, come in. It, it's like you open the door and you're like, I do not like that music. I am not going <laughs> That was me and Snapchat. So. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Eugenie, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Always my pleasure. All right. And Chris, what about you, man? Uh, Facebook.com slash X-Men, E-K-S-M-A-A-N. Or Instagram is Mickman, M-I-K-M-A-A-N. Those are my two platforms now. I'm still working on how I'm going to present some more of my work with written written content. Um, I picked Squarespace right now. I'm still kind of feeling things out, but those two, Facebook and Instagram, are my go-tos right now. Okay, cool. Well, welcome to the show, man. I hope you'll come on more. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. And try not to crash that drone. You know, <laughs> you know those new drones. Yeah. People get excited. A friend of mine bought his Mavic, and uh, he had a date with a tree with it just Ooh. this morning. <laughs> that's painful and you know why it's a good lesson it's a good lesson he was strafing so he was flying sideways Uh and filming something the mavic doesn't have sideways object avoidance and detection unlike your yep your uh phantom four so wait wait a minute whoa 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 you can fly it sideways yeah this is a whole three-dimensional thing when you're this way sideways no 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 camera pointing forward and oh, oh, flying strafing sideways. sideways okay yeah straight thinking yeah. <laughs> no 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 inverted it's like that's a, do i need to give this a man great, a geometry lesson great, about three yeah. dimensions yeah. again not a drone user but that's a great idea be, for the next drone Phantom yeah exactly five. there you go no uh, like all absolutely the, you know all the crazy curves and you know that's right barrel, flying sideways you know, yeah. that would be awesome yeah you know what I want? This is complete digression. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see a real full-sized aircraft that looks like a Mavic. That would oh, be ridiculous. That would be cool. Yeah, just that like sci-fi. Like yeah. human size? Like, yeah. Like, like, like maybe even science fiction. Maybe like the guys at FilmRiot.com or something will do like some sort of science fiction thing. Yeah. But I want to see, see a Mavic like a real aircraft. I think that would be cockpit. killer. That's cool, yeah. With a cockpit, yeah. yeah. That would be killer. Because it, it already looks like it that. Looks it already like, looks like, it some looks like the fiction. future. I mean, when that thing flies it totally past does. you, it sounds like the future. Yeah, yeah, it does. It doesn't sound quite as cool as the Phantom 3, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you're right. I see what you're the doing. The Phantom right. 3 is the coolest Steve, drone I've ever on, owned. Steve. The, best sell, the best sales pitch would be if right now it hovered up behind you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Sell I yourself know. to Steve. <laughs> all right well cool so last but not least is steve brazel and steve i've uh by the we're at the end of the show here but i will have recorded at the beginning of the show kind of a teaser into your new show but let's close the show off with a little bit about you and where people can find you but also what's the gist of this amazing show that you've been working on so hard all right so first of all for finding me uh yeah i use facebook it's steve brazel photography it's like the country brazil but two l's um I'm on Instagram, Steve Brazel, uh, and my website, Steve Brazel. Uh, but the easiest way, and Twitter as well. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Raz too. But the easiest way to find me is if you take stevebrazel.com and put the social media name in front of it, mm. you'll find me. Instagram.stevebrazel, Twitter.stevebrazel.com, Facebook.stevebrazel.com. They'll all, they'll all take you to the right site. Same with uh, Plus for Google+. Plus. Um, and for the new show... 
Uh, I am lucky to be part of the family, as you said. So I've got a new show starting on TWIP. Uh, it's called Behind the Shot. And the way I describe it is whenever I see interviews with photographers, you're interviewing a photographer to find out more about them because you like their photography, but you rarely look at the photography. You try and delve deep into the, the photographer themselves. And I wanted to f- kind of flip that on its head. I wanted to um, interview kind of the shot. I wanted to delve deep into a photograph to learn about the photographer. Mm-hmm. So trying to get inside their mind on why they went to the location that they did, why they chose the gear that they did, why they post-processed it the way that they did. So we usually on, on an episode, it's video podcast, uh, we'll take one photograph, I'll sit down with that photographer, and we'll kind of examine their choices that they made on that photograph to try and get inside their mind on why they shoot the way they do and how they shoot. I find it to be a great learning experience. I find it to be uh, uh, just inspirational in the the photographs that you see, like I, your episode number one. Um, of course. And for episode number one, it, at the time we recorded it, it was a type of photography that I had not heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, episode number two, uh, contra photographer out of London, wonderful lady uh, by the name of Christy Goodwin. She's the house photographer at Royal Albert Hall, as in the Royal Albert Hall. Um, and uh, those are the first two episodes, and those will be live tomorrow morning at a.m. Awesome. Congratulations, man. You, well, you just like seriously, you've put a whole lot of work into, into getting that show done. It looks great. It sounds great. It's edited great. It's, uh, it's awesome. So congratulations. Uh, thank you very much for letting me become part of the family. And by the way, there will be on the, on the page on thisweekinphoto.com, there will be a place that you'll be able to sign up for more information to, to you know, kind of keep up to date on the podcast as well. But yeah, please check it out and hit me on social media anywhere. I, I use Twitter a lot. I use Instagram a lot. And uh, let me know what you think. Cool. All right. To all of you guys, thank you for coming on. We are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Remember, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com, where you'll find all of our other podcasts, including, by the time this show releases, the brand new Behind the Shot show, which will be live on the TWIP network. Oh, so it it doesn't release tomorrow morning at 8 (laughs) a.m. Yes. It's it's already out. Okay. As you as we record this, it's tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we we're recording this Wednesday, November thirtieth. Uh, you'll probably you're probably hearing this either tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. So it will be live then. Um, so yeah, definitely check that show out and all of our other shows. But now is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> <laughs>